0: Welcome in to episode 304 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. Today, an awesome, 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 awesome show breaking down that many awesomes worth of a victory. Kentucky goes down to Gainesville, defeats the Florida Gators 87-85. But before we get started, a quick message from our friends at Justice Dental. Sources say is presented by the great team at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling or texting 859-543-0700. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team. Look forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very excited to be joined by none other than Sean Smith of Gobi Blue Country.
1: Sean, how the heck are you? I'm, I'm fantastic, and you, you know, Jack, that I'm all about talking quad one wins, and Kentucky certainly got one on the road yesterday. Overcome a lot of adversity at different points of that game, and, and honestly, I don't think that you could start league play off in a, in a better way, in better fashion, because they had a lot to overcome, and it was a total team win. Down 11 with two minutes to go in the first
0: half there were a lot of avenues for things to fail this could have been a game for a young group to let go of the rope in a very hostile environment uh, against a very very good talented physical strong rebounding team that directly counters what kentucky does very well where or what they struggle with where kentucky struggles the most on the glass, they were the best rebounding team in college basketball. So this was a direct head-to-head battle of opposite forces. Something had to give somewhere. Either the physicality and the rebounding was going to outplay Florida and it was going to or outplay Kentucky and we were going to uh, see them suffer their first kind of head-to-head battle against an equal competition. UNC Wilmington was obviously a lesser competition. They played down to that, but the first time we saw a legitimate SEC foe, they could have folded in that realm or we could have seen Florida kind of struggle to, to match up against Kentucky's athleticism, uh, speed, pace of play, shooting, those sorts of things. So this this was a really good test to see a measuring stick of where this team is, and we got to see a neck and neck battle down the stretch where both sides kind of threw what they're best at at the other. And Kentucky was the one down the stretch to throw the daggers. John Calipari said to close out the game that this is this is how championship contenders are built. You have to go into those types of environments and win those games and learn how to win those games the main theme to open the season. How do we close games? What's how, you know, what's our recipe to win? We could get all the way up to that point. But what about that last segment about closing and executing down the stretch? This Kentucky team has learned how to do that. And now the proof is in the pudding. This is a championship level
1: basketball team. Oh, ab- absolutely. And it's just, it's the way Kentucky does it too, Jack. It's, at one point in the game, it's D.J. Wagner going on a run. Then Antonio Reeves hit shots. It was Aaron Bradshaw late. Reed Shepard hitting free throws late. Rob Dillingham made a big bucket, uh, a long two there. Uh, I think Kentucky's maybe down four or five there with about seven, eight minutes to go in the game. He gets a big shot. So it's the way Kentucky can come at you in waves at different positions with different people. And that's what I meant by it's a total team win. And to start league play on the road against the team in a, a sold-out crowd, a team that's looking to build its NCAA tournament resume. I think Florida's a good basketball team, and that's going to be a team I think is going to push for an NCAA tournament uh, a large bid there, especially as we go throughout the season. like They they showed me enough yesterday, but Kentucky's resolve and the resiliency that we've seen in some key moments in the non-conference, it showed up again yesterday on the opening day of league play, and to me there, there was one play, an out-of-bounds set, and we'll get into to all the ins and outs of the game, but we talk about John Calipari not running offense, trying to score points on baseline underneath situations, and they ran an excellent play, a pin down for Aaron Bradshaw to get a jumper. Did you see the reaction from John Calipari, though? That told me how important that game was to him and to this team and to this program. I mean, it was a double fist pump that he's like, yeah, we we executed there. We got something, and that kind of jump-started the closing stretch of the game right there. The, the first four minutes of the second half gave Kentucky a chance. They got it even, and then they made their move in the final 10. And then look, that's that's a massive quad one victory on the road for the Cats. Well, we have dogs. What I talked about to these guys if, is if you want to
0: be a championship-level team, you've got to go on the road and play against somebody's best, hang around, and then win the game. Everything is working against you because they're going to play as well as they can play. It is what it is. They showed it today. That was Cal's... All right, we we got this like there is a level of confidence and you know, just there's something that it factor that Cal clearly sees with this group that he's willing to look at the night and day difference between how we've seen kind of how he operates with uh, some some players in the past versus what we saw with Aaron Bradshaw and his trust in him and Rob Dillingham, both of those two combined. In a tale of two halves. I guess three quarters, a, a tale of quarters, where three quarters of the game, Aaron was just not good. I mean, unplayable at times. In that last nine-minute stretch, Aaron Bradshaw goes for 10 points. Cal says afterward he was awful. Aaron Bradshaw was awful in that first 31 minutes. In the last nine minutes of the game, goes for 10 points, five rebounds in the go-ahead three. The trust in Aaron to make that shot after the struggling the way that he did And, you know, Cal kind of making a point to say, Aaron is going to get benched if he does not get his stuff together. If he continues to get beat down low and not enforce his will against other physical teams, you can't play. We can't play you. So it would have been so easy, Sean, considering how the game was unfolding. Trey Mitchell playing as well as he was playing. Just kind of reverting back to what we saw earlier in the season with small ball, Justin at the four, go three guards and just kind of ride ride things out. It would have been so easy for Cal to just kind of go back to his comfort zone. But he said, no, I'm sticking with this plan. I trust Aaron Bradshaw to make that shot. Not only to make that shot, but to draw it up for him, that baseline out of bound." To him for the you know pin down jumper that he drilled in confidence, and then to follow that up, he gets the block on the other end. The minute thirty to go, then goes right back and hits the wide open catch and shoot three. That is that sequence is this team, this team's identity and the culture around this program right now to a T. We wouldn't have seen that level of resolve last season. We wouldn't have seen it even the year before that. There is something to this team, and I think the the. The tale of two halves, if you will, with Aaron Bradshaw is kind of the, the greater part of this story that I I really, really love. It would have been very easy to give up on Aaron Bradshaw, and uh, Cal didn't.
1: I, I really respect that. Oh, I, I do too. And the, the plays that he made and, and stuff down the stretch, it now you can throw him into that collection of, of moments that we've talked about on the show where it's been read late in games. It's been DJ Layton games. It's been Antonio Reeves making some shots, some shots down the stretch. Trey Mitchell. Now you can kind of group Aaron Bradshaw into that same mold of making plays in clutch moments when Kentucky needs somebody to step up and make it. Like it's the collection of what Kentucky's done now. It's multiple guys doing things on different nights in different matchups in tough road environments in the neutral floor against North Carolina. Jack. Like as these things continue to play out and happen. It not only gives this team and this coaching staff confidence that they can go on a run in March, it's also giving this fan base the same confidence. That you know, regardless of what's going wrong in the first half, and that's what I kept saying yesterday. I put it out, I tweeted at halftime, Kentucky's going to win this game. And I was confident that they were. I just kept saying, weather the storm. Florida's hit some shots. They banked in some threes. They're, I, I told somebody, let Florida shoot 30 threes and Kentucky wins this game. And they got above that mark and look at that second half three-point percentage. For Florida. What was it? Nine percent, I believe is what mm-hmm. they shot from the three-point line in the second half. It eventually averages become averages and numbers become numbers. And that's what happened down the stretch in Kentucky executed. They got themselves in position, they made a run. How about late in the game? The camera catches Antonio Reeves and Trey Mitchell locked in together at half court before defensive possession. Like oh, sick. that and and he to me, we have solidified this months ago. Trey Mitchell is the most important piece on this roster when it comes to his poise. He showed up from the opening tip yesterday, ready to play basketball. And there were a lot of points in that game where his IQ showed too, where they were getting switches that they wanted. He was playing out of it, but just his toughness that he adds to it. Then Kentucky's dude started taking over in certain moments, but he was kind of the anchor that held it all together. And would it change
0: your opinion for the better if you knew that he was very questionable going into this game? I <laughs> heard leading leading up to it that, you know, Cal, Camp Cal, was, came, you know, started after the holidays when they got back from Christmas break and two a day's all out scrimmaging, you know, wear and tear. And everybody's sore in January. It's this is when kind of the, the, transition of early season kind of becomes into the meat and potatoes of, all right, it's put up or shut up time. Uh, and I was told that, you know, leading up to this game, that Trey had been battling some stuff and was always going to play, but was definitely going to not be 100% going into this matchup. And it scared the be- Jesus out of me because we knew what this game was, what it meant From a physicality and rebounding when that was the game, when that was this, this game's identity and it was going to sway one way or the other, who was going to, you know, be able to control the glass and, you know, contain that level of physicality and knowing that you're kind of anchoring force in that with Trey Mitchell was not 100% and just sore and beat up. I was like, man, it's going to be really tough to win in that environment with young guys, him being kind of the stable veteran presence. If he's not kind of able to give everything he's got, what does that mean? How will everybody else respond around him? And Trey goes out there 35 minutes, plays his absolute ass off. Is that physical presence? Is that rebounding presence goes for 12 and 10 and, and, you know, Cal, I, I thought Cal's quote afterward was was great. Said, uh, you know, asked the reporters, we did we did we out, out rebound them? And they said, no, you know, lost by three. And he goes, Yeah, that's out rebounding them. Because it's true. You just had to stay stable in that area and compete and fight. You didn't have to crush them on the glass. You just couldn't let them crush you. And they were able to contain them and lost 4340. I'll take that. And that's how Kentucky was able to win by, by giving themselves a chance on the glass because everything else kind of played out around it. They finally settled in, started making shots. They finally were able to get in their offense and the guys that were missing shots. They characteristically do make or that were uncharacteristically missing them. They were finally settling in and making shots in the second half. Everything just kind of worked out as a result of the one key of the game plan working in kentucky's favor so uh that that was a statement but that doesn't happen without trey mitchell fighting through in the way that he did knowing after the fact that he you know before the fact and after the fact
1: what he was battling going into that one i thought that was a a pretty good statement yeah and it's just a lot of stuff too that that maybe doesn't show up like just just being in the right spot you know taking a charge in transition like he took there early in the game grabbing three rebounds in the opening segment of the game making the right pass, like setting a good screen. It's those things that Trey does, but it's his basketball IQ that stands out the most to me. And and we've talked about the basketball IQ overall on this team, but second half there that they, Kentucky runs good stuff. I mean, we're talking right at 90 points and they only made five threes. Think about that. Like this is a team that can score at a clip with the best in college basketball. And it wasn't their best three-point shooting night. They didn't take a ton of them. though. I think, what were they, five of 20? So they still got to that 20-point mark. But when you're looking at what they do offensively in the second half, there were some possessions where it was just get the switch, get the matchup you want, and attack it. And a lot of times it was Trey Mitchell getting a post up on a smaller guy. There was an offensive rebound that Kentucky got in the second half, and they ended up getting a matchup that they wanted with D.J. Wagner and you can go back and find this clip. I, I think it was maybe it was under, I think it was, it was definitely under 14, under 15, but DJ Wagner hit a three from the top of the key. 15 off off minutes left. A 15 minutes left. And you, we've talked about this guy on the show too this year. Watch John Calipari and Tyler Ullis. They're in sync with each other. They both recognize the matchup and they're both going, they're, they're saying four flat, flatten it out. Let DJ go. That is basketball IQ. Recognizing that you've got something off a scramble and now you attack it—that's not anything that Kentucky's doing offensively just to get it. It's just recognizing the matchup and then Kentucky takes advantage of it. DJ does it. So those things and having guys that can do it in those moments—that is a big step and a big reason why Kentucky's in its in the position it's in now than what it's been in the past. It can just—it doesn't matter if you if you get the wrong switch defensively, Kentucky will punish you inside and outside. What do you think
0: of the trust in we, – we talked a little bit about, about Bradshaw and the kind of tale of two halves with him, but Dillingham, two points, one for four in the first half, four turnovers, follows that up with four, uh, four, four points, two of two at the line, one rebound, one assist, zero turnovers in 11 minutes, hit a, 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 that clutch bucket. Cal uh, saying after the game – I didn't give up on you because I trust you to fix it, to to get to get through the making the the difficult play just for the sake of doing so, to overcome that that need to just want to to go that extra mile and
1: just settling in and making that extra play. What does that statement say to you? It, resolve. It, it's the that's the word with this without this throughout this entire roster <clears throat> to me is resolve. Like they're not phased. It's I need you for the next play whether that next play is the following possession or if it's four minutes from now, I need you for the next play. Now Cal's probably going to go back and see this on tape. Two of those turnovers were on Bradshaw. I'm telling you, there were a couple that were on AB there. He has to be able to hold off and seal that guy under the basket. That's got to be a dunk at the rim and then getting out of that ball screen. He's got to get out of it quicker. So, But in the moment, the game's so fast. And I think that, you know, Cal probably thought, okay, Rob, you're getting a little bit out of control here. Let's settle you down. Credit to Rob, though, for coming back, like you said, second half and making big shots and also Cal having the trust to to go right back at him. And and that's the thing. Like, as well as these guys play, they're going to have their stretches of play where they don't look good for three or four minutes. It's about what you do. My door just opened and I thought somebody was coming in on me. It scared me. So if you, <laughs> see, you look away, <laughs> I think it's the a wind ghost. Just blew. Yeah, it's, it's a ghost. Uh, but no, what Kentucky does and the balance of its attack, and whenever everybody's ready for the next moment, Jack, like you don't see guys when they make mistakes go to the bench and just drop their head because they know they're going to get another opportunity to come back and make up for it and it's been DJ, it's been Reed, it's been Rob, it was Bradshaw yesterday. That resolve within the locker room, we've had some teams here at Kentucky that have had and showed resolve. I don't know if there's I've, – I've seen a collection of dogs, as Cal calls it, and guys that just are not phased by the moment, good or bad. You know, better than this one.
0: So, looking back in history um, – the 2009-10 team, it the only two games it lost from the regular se- regular season were true road games at South Carolina, Tennessee. 2010-11 lost six SEC road games before its run to the Final Four. Um, barely beat Tennessee in Knoxville, 65-62, and Vanderbilt in Nashville, 69-63, in that title run, 2011-12. Then uh, the one that really stuck out to me, double overtime in its first. SEC, true road game at Texas A&M in 2014-15. Two losses at Tennessee and Florida in 2016-17. And that 2018-19 year, 77-75 loss at Alabama to open conference play. Games like this happen in SEC play. This was always going to be a challenge, whether it was this one or the next or four SEC road games from now. And we're going to get another one. This is how you learn how to win in march they 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 had to figure out okay we got punched in the mouth what do we do now it like i said to start the show there were 12 different chances for this for for kentucky to really let go of the rope and say all right uh not this one let's turn our attention to missouri then hope to get them you know get get back at them next saturday in college station maybe that'll be our first opportunity to win a, a true hostile environment and everything was working for Florida in its favor. And it was built up to be an all-time road atmosphere. I mean, the orange out, the debuting, the brand-new orange uniforms, the uh, students coming back from winter break early, specifically to make it a hostile environment. And then, like, Kentucky fans show up and turn it into Go Big Blue chants in the second half. Like, little things like that help. But this was... All respect to Louisville. Sorry, their environment stinks. And we kind of had to embarrass them at, at, at their on their home turf. But this was the first real, S, you know, championship environment that we're going to see in March. This was, you know, that and, you know, the North Carolina game, we saw Trey Mitchell say, you know, it felt like a March Madness game and it kind of finished like a March Madness game. This is where you learn if this team is capable of having the dudes to, you know, kind of get put you over the hump and win those those types of games. And looking back in the history of the John Calipari era, every every good team that Cal has had, every real contender that Cal has had, they've either either lost those games or have made it really, really, really darn close and too close for comfort. That championship team, that 65-62 win in, in Knoxville at Tennessee things like that, that's how you build a a contender. And that's why
1: I think the statement behind this win is so, so significant. Oh, absolutely. And, And when you look at it too, like I think I said this maybe on last week's show that you don't win national championships on the road because you don't play NCAA tournament games on a true road environment. But you build NCAA championship teams and final four teams in those road moments through the regular season because that's, Those are the moments that put you in this us against the world mentality. When it's you all standing in a huddle as a team, and then you break the huddle and you're standing at center court in Gainesville in an SEC road game with however many thousand fans are in there against you, you have a feeling that is the only way we get out of here alive is if we come together and do it. It creates those moments and those opportunities for you to band together and to do it in the SEC opener against the team that Jack is, they're going to be fighting for their NCAA tournament lives. They need wins. They need quad one wins to build a resume, the same way we talk about Kentucky's resume. Florida circled that one weeks ago. It's a reason it was sold out weeks going up, leading up to the game. That's what makes playing at Kentucky fun, though, because it creates, you have, every time you take the floor at Kentucky, it creates an opportunity to better prepare yourself for the NCAA tournament, because you're facing everyone's best shot. I know I sound like I'm speaking John Calipari language here, but this year especially because Kentucky hasn't been Kentucky good for a while and some of these road environments that Kentucky's going to walk in are going to be even amped up even more because Kentucky's going to be a top 5 team and a team that is believed to be one of the favorites to win the national championship. That's going to create these road environments to a, a, even another level that we haven't got to see the last couple of years. Yesterday was one of them. They're going to get another one at A&M. So you're getting everybody's best shot. But this team just has resolved, Jack, that it doesn't matter what goes wrong in those moments. They're going to find ways to overcome it. And that leads me to trust them and March when it matters. I want
0: you to put your coaching hat on and express your frustration to me in real time (laughs) when you saw Reed contest that three at the end of the game. Like, what, What would have happened if your team was... If that exact situation unfolded with your team, your
1: reaction to that. I, I can't say those words on here. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. um that has happened to me before. It is a teaching moment. But when he did that, and the crazy thing about it is, I would have if you would have told me to name one guy that wouldn't do that, Reed would have been at the top of my list to not even attempt it. But I mean, losing was not even part of the equation until that happened, or at least tying the game. And I'm so, my, my thing would be you're probably not saying much in the moment there because you're not wanting to make it too big of a deal. Because instantly, when that play happens, now you're, you're trying to prepare them for what could happen next. So you can't spend too much time on the mistake because now you're trying to, you're, all you're wanting to spend your time on in that moment is let's get out of here, let's, let's figure out how to get out of this game and get home. Then as you're walking to the locker room or maybe you're in the tunnel, you're taking in your – you don't even have to really say anything, right? Reed Shepard's probably already coached himself up to the point as soon as he did it that he's thinking, I'm going to – one, I'm never going to let myself live this down. And two, when I go talk to mom and dad, they're definitely not going to let me live this down. So, yeah, it when it happened, I said there's no way that number 15 just attempted to, to do that in this moment where just let the shot go. Cal even, said afterward. Near
0: Cal said afterward that as they went up four with two seconds left on the clock, he looked at John Welch and said, How did we do this? How did we pull out this win? And then he immediately watched <laughs> that unfold and was just like. And and, and was what? it a
1: foul? Was it not a foul? I mean, no, I it was know. clean.
0: You, he you he, still just don't even attempt it is so, and I said this on radio, and I, I think on the rapid reaction last night, looking back, knowing that we won, came away unscathed, where where feel-good moment, I can almost, almost, I don't, but I can almost appreciate the mindset of where we've already won this game and I'm still going to play to that final horn and win this game for us. Because in his mind... He was going to block that shot, and he did block the damn shot. But you can't put yourself <laughs> in that position. You just can't. You you just can't. And it, oh, I, I feel I feel live
1: Somebody's live line was on the
0: line right there too. <laughs> you know? Oh my! Well, and I, it, that pushed pushed it to the over because I think it was one sixty before that moment, and then it put that the, those two made free throws push it to one sixty two, and I, I think that that hit the over for some for for some but uh, my I mean or 170 I mean but like you just can't do that but to his credit he was able to have that game i you know icing you know could could have been a game icing block or whatever but he had already iced the game with six straight yeah. made field, free free throws which Talking about the stones on that kid to, in that moment, say, I'm taking these shots and I'm going to, especially after hitting as a 90% free throw shooter, he had already missed two earlier in the game, front ended a one and one that would have made it a one score game. And then Antonio Reeves did it again. That would have made it then made it a tie game. Very frustrating. But for him, after overcoming what he had already overcame to then hit six straight down the stretch in the final 20 seconds to Ice the game for Kentucky. He earned a boneheaded mistake at the end. He just did. Like he 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 earned that decision, even though it was a bad one, and it didn't cost it. My mind would have changed if it if they did get the tip in, and it would have led to overtime, and does you know whatever. But we can now, in hindsight, say I'll live with it because
1: you know six straight free throws to win the game. It is what it is. I would have loved to have seen the Jeff and Stacy cam when that happened, though. Like I can, I, can only <laughs> no! imagine, I can only imagine how angry both of them were in that moment of like, if you could have had a still frame of those two somewhere. Oh man. But Kentucky overcomes it. They win the game. They jump six spots in the net up to number 17 today highest net ranking of the season for Kentucky. They get another quad one victory, Jack, two and one in that category now with uh, with still quad one wins remaining on the schedule. The resume's starting to come together now. And that one – the North Carolina win really kick it and jump-started And then they go get a big win against Oklahoma just a few days later. And now Kentucky has one in league play. And now you got a team that, that's right there top five, top six in the country in early January who – I know Joe Lenardi doesn't envision Kentucky getting to a one seed, but when you overcome moments like that yesterday on the road, you're going to have a chance to play your way into that category. I don't appreciate
0: Halo Master 96's negativity in our comment section. He should he should check himself before he wrecks himself. But I, I will add, how hilarious is it that Reed Shepard hits six straight free throws to ice the game for Kentucky in Gainesville in the O Dome, immediately gets on his flight back to Lexington, gets <laughs> off the plane, and immediately goes to a freaking rodeo at Rupp Arena. How hilarious! In mo like, is there ever a more this is Kentucky basketball moment ever than no. Reed Shepard doing that? What he did in Gainesville, and then going straight to a rodeo. Like his first thought was, you know what? I'm not gonna go home and relax. I'm not gonna you know, chill with my girlfriend and watch a movie and just, you know, let my body, he, he, in his mind, he said, you know what? The first thing I want to do when I get home, I want to go see a freaking <laughs> rodeo. I think that is the most hilarious post-game story I, I could remember in recent memory. And I think the whole team, like uh, Justin Edwards was going live from Rupp. And like, I think a lot of the guys did, but I think Reed in particular because of the the pressure in the def- the, the, the end of game moment, to his first thought, immediately afterward to do that,
1: I just think it's so hilarious. No, I, I thought it was funny too. Like you, you come straight out of a road SEC victory and you go to a rodeo, and it, it just shows you that these these guys are loose right now, like they're relaxed. I don't think any of them. And this, there's a tendency to have this happen, especially at Kentucky, guys can really start to overthink playing in this program because it becomes a grind. Jack and and we've seen it kind of take over a lot of talented guys in this program where, especially this time of year where scouting reports on top of scouting report and it's Tuesday to Saturday or it's Wednesday to Saturday and it's league play and it's fighting to, to get in a better position for seating. They look relaxed though. They look one well-prepared and they don't look like they're overthinking anything. And that's what I'm coming back to with the mistakes when they make a mistake or they have a bad stretch like Rob did. He went right to the bench. He didn't, out he sat right there and was, and was celebrating right celebrating exactly. right there with with Big Z. I thought that was awesome. It's the sticking together and the staying together, and this is it's one of the hardest things to get in any team sport where you just came out, you made a couple of mistakes, and I'm sure in Rob's mind he probably thought, man, Aaron didn't help me out here a couple of times, and it would have been easy to start pointing fingers and it's a big thing that I'm on as a coach too where I'm like accept some account have some accountability and some responsibility for what just happened control what you can control and that is what how you played how you performed he comes out gets himself ready i see that with all these guys though it'd be easy to sit over there and create a selfish moment but the unselfishness within this team though it's it's contagious it's senior to freshman And I don't, I've not seen any moments where it was any individual look at me. It's always been about the team from day one. And going to a rodeo after the game last night just kind of shows you that these guys are (laughs) relaxed and loose and just being kids. Like they're having fun playing basketball and they just enjoy living life right now. Like, but this doesn't, this can feel like a job for these guys, Jack, but I don't get the vibes that they feel like it's a job. I think that they're bought in, and I think the staff is doing an excellent job too of keeping that balance with them. and In return, you see a group of guys relaxed and playing well, and not sell over
0: celebrating. You know, this it could have been an opportunity for them to get on their high horse. No pun intended. Actually, I think that was intended, Uh, but (laughs) they could have used that as a chance to just go party and go. You know, immediately focus on. The, the small picture, instead of saying we took care of business now, time to focus on Missouri, then focus on college station, then focus on Fayetteville, then focus, you know, they, their minds are in the right place that they aren't celebrating. They are appreciating the small wins, but not celebrating them. They are focusing on the long-term celebration in what they believe is a national championship. I do want to add, because, um, we texted about this in the heat of the moment and now looking back at it how hilarious was that 12 foot lefty jump hook from <laughs> ugo like i can't believe that hey they ran three straight shots for him in the post which you know not the ideal time in my opinion but hey what you know it is it is what it is but that shot in particular he sunk that sucker and unleashed his inner Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but that was something of all of all of the <laughs> post moves we've seen over the years. That
1: was one of them. So, you said we texted about it, like I, I, you all, you all put it in the group, but I didn't get to watch the second half because we had. So I didn't get to watch it live because we had a game. But then I always come back and watch the game. I've watched it three times. And I text the group last night at 1141. I said, I just saw Ugo hit a jump sh- a jump hook from 12 feet with his left hand. <laughs> it's like, instantly just brings back conversation in the group text. Because <laughs> I was relying on Tom Leach yesterday for the final 10 to 12 minutes of the game and trying to see it playing out in my head. I was following it for sure. But went back and I, I always watch every game three times before we get on the show and talk because I want to absorb it all. I want to be able to talk about some things. He gave them good minutes, he did. And just having the depth there. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear, check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos,
0: Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one
1: of our local financial centers or 24 seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: It's just, it's made Kentucky just so much harder to guard. And, and he had a rim run there too in, in the first half and, and got a basket down the floor and Reed Shepard Was it Reed through the, the advance? Yeah. Down the floor. And was, how, so that yeah, we, how, many times we see, how many times do we see Reed make that pass at North Laurel. Where he would be and, on the backside of the And zone how many times just,
0: did we how, how many times did we say that's going to be his path to playing time? Did we not say that a hundred yep. times? We said if he plays early, it's going to be because of stuff like that. And
1: look how and it unfolded. I'll I'll keep saying this. There isn't a team in college basketball that advances the ball in transition better than Kentucky. They instantly put pressure on you, and it's the advance. And people like. It's one of the hardest things to get players to understand is you don't have to over-dribble yourself and attack. Advance it, even if we don't get an initial shot off the advance, you're forcing teams to defend you early. And then you get it back, and then we flow right into a drag screen, some offense or some of the stuff that Kentucky does offensively, like advancing the ball. There was another advance in the second half where Justin Edwards gets a mid-range jumper out of it or like a little floater Mm -hmm. right there along uh, and, and gets a bucket. Advance the basketball and attack having the awareness to do that it makes you so much harder to guard so last year
0: when we would say that Xavier wheeler would assist hunt this is what we're talking about he had a tendency of dribble 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 dribble, get taking it the entire distance and then looking for the kick out then looking for the alley for himself rather than that reed shepherd push up that then leads to the one extra the hockey assist that it's the it's that just getting the ball out of your hands and zip 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 zip, zip to the best shot. that is that is team oriented basketball, not assist hunting basketball selfless versus selfish. that is that was kind of the greater picture of what we talked about and why we're seeing the results that we're seeing the off I mean that you know the stat that we brought up last week, Sean, about scoring 81 points in the first 11 of 12 games was the first time since 96. Well, now we broke that record because that team didn't get to that 13 mark. Now it's 12 of 13 for the first time since that 93-94 team. That team was a pretty freaking huge deal as well and one of the most fun teams in Kentucky basketball history. So we're we're trending in the right direction, clearly, because the numbers are backing up what our eye test has shown us. The analytics and the historical context – Reed Shepard shooting the numbers that he that that he's shooting like he's on pace to be one of the greatest shooters and the, the greatest shooter in the history of Kentucky basketball like all the stuff that we see with our own eyes and it's like damn I don't know rem- <laughs> I don't remember the last time we've seen anything like
1: that yeah it's because you haven't because this team is doing what it's doing yeah and they're now so they're 18th overall in Kim Palm eighth in adjusted offense 43rd in adjusted uh, defense, excuse me. So, they're right there offensively where they want to be. Defense numbers got to just continue to climb. But when you still score almost ninety points and you only make five threes, it just shows you the different ways that Kentucky can score points. They they hit a high number of free throws yesterday. They they were they were excellent for stretches of the game and just scoring at a, at a pace. DJ Wagner was brilliant in the opening segment of the second half. It just getting downhill, getting to the basket, hit some big shots. Like all these guys had their moment. And we we've not got to the point here, Jack, where we're talking about so-and-so had 25, and then this guy goes and has 25. Those are great stats that Cal talks about when his his best teams, his his best teams that go on runs in the NCAA tournament, they have that. I lean more on who has game-winning moments, and it doesn't have to be 25 points. Who goes and grabs a, a, a rebound? when you need it, and then gets a defensive stop and then hits a bucket. Who has those stretches? Aaron Bradshaw had his yesterday. Reed Shepard's already had them. DJ Wagner has had them. Antonio Reeves just quietly continues to be the guy that just puts so much pressure on defenses and stretches you out. Like we were talking about yesterday, he misses some open threes. But when he was still one of five from three, he was like five of nine from the four. So it was still efficient. It wasn't one of those inefficient nights where it's one of ten, and then he's like three of 17 or three of 16 from the field. He was still making shots, even though the three-point ball wasn't falling. Then he hits one, and then he hits another couple of baskets, gets downhill. Kentucky can beat you in so many different ways, and I would love to see some of these opponents scouting reports and these guys sitting in there breaking down film and trying to put stuff together because I bet the whiteboard is covered with like, you can't let so-and-so do this. You can't let this guy do this. Well, guess what happens? You may take away two things, but then there's going to be two more things that get you. You just cannot take away everything that Kentucky does and attacks you with. Well, that's what Todd Golden said after the game. They asked about Aaron Bradshaw's shot,
0: and he said, buddy, if the the go-ahead three is made by the eighth leading scorer that has taken five threes on the year, you know what, uh, sue me. You know, he 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 called it, that was a picker poison moment when trying to come up with it. He said, our goal was to take away assisted three-pointers for Kentucky. And they only had six assists on, on the, we only had six on the day. So it was a, you know, it was a great game plan by Todd Golden. And it he was. said, we could not afford a Trey Mitchell catch-and-shoot. We couldn't, you know, him in the high post. What They didn't want the ball in Trey Mitchell's hands to either score inside or out. They did not want Reed Shepard in a catch-and-shoot look. They kinda said, we're gonna live with everything else because Trey had played the way he had up to that point. Feeding the hot hand would've made sense with Trey, but Reed is Reed, and they definitely wanted to take those. Those two things were options one one and two, take them away. Everything beyond that, it's like we got to kind of live with it because, as you said, Sean, you can't take all of it away. And the shot that we
1: got, if we're making that one, I mean, come and, on, man. And and when you're and when you're Florida and you look at it and you say, okay, we we shot the ball, we, we hit what nine threes? Is that what Florida hit? what was the final line for Florida? Not at no at nine, nine of, of thirty one. Okay, so you hit nine threes you limit Kentucky to five made threes, you're probably looking at that line right there and saying, okay, we've we, we probably won this game, maybe. Mm-hmm. Then you look at the free throw line, you see you've made 19 free throws. But that's the thing. I'm interested to see what these coaches in the league play, the Rick Barnes and you know Eric Musselmans and Nate Oates and all these coaches, what do they see as the most important areas to try to limit Kentucky and take away? Transition's probably where it starts. If you take away some of those early looks and transition, and the way that you do that is you score yourself. You got to score yourself and you got to be elite transition defensively because the thing with Kentucky Jack is they attack you off makes or misses. They're getting the ball out and they're going. And it's it's guys they, they know where guys are, they're running lanes, they're disciplined, they're rim running, the ball's advancing. That to me, if I were coaching Kentucky, it would be priority number one to take away. Take away the early stuff that they do and contain them and transition because that gets them going. And then lock in defensively in the half court. But the, the rest of that is, guess what? Kentucky's hard to guard in the half court too. This is a team that's hard to guard in the open floor. They're hard to guard in a grinded out setting because of the stuff that they run. As they get better defensively and they gang, round, gang rebound defensively, this team's going to be really hard to beat and eliminate in an NCAA tournament setting. Because of the the different ways that they can beat you. In
0: other news, um, we got a billboard in the works. <laughs> how <laughs> wild was that with the <laughs> rup to no good crowd that we absolutely love and uh, you know very very dear friends of ours? But a just a wild development of Big Z comes home. We talked about the ins and outs of how we got here and how unlikely it was for him to actually come home. Good for him. I'm very excited that he decided to you know see this thing through and return back to Lexington. But calling a spade a spade here, we still got to wait for a decision for the NCAA. So uh, for those that are unfamiliar with the story, a uh, group of Twitter buds, no pun intended, but actually pun intended, uh, decided to put together money for a billboard that will be going up. Directly across the street from the NCAA eligibility uh, eligibility center that just says free big Z love BBN and <laughs> the employees of the uh, uh, of The eligibility center will be seeing that every time they enter or leave their office and whether or not he gets cleared tomorrow or next week or never it's going to be going up, and I think it is absolutely hilarious. And I think the people that were taking it way too seriously and saying, "Whatever," you know, I, I it would, you know, they raised it in a couple of hours, and it's thirty six hundred bucks. It's not forty five thousand dollars. It's not, you know, it's people that were saying, "Well, why isn't this money going to NIL or the collectives or blah. blah, blah. What is thirty six hundred dollars going to buy? The next seven footer? No, it's not. No. It, it's 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 you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's it's a troll job for the NCAA. We shouldn't take ourselves so seriously. I thought it was hilarious, and I thought it was a very creative and well put together, ridiculously quick campaign that took like two hours to raise four grand.
1: It's hilarious. That's it's amazing, is what it is, and it's a perfectly placed billboard. <laughs> like you can't. I mean you this fan base I'm telling you there's there's nothing better than some of the things that they do and the ways that they show support like you know that's you know that's something that Cal Cal loves that like that's something that would make John Calipari probably sit there and laugh he's like this is brilliant and I think we have lost
0: as a collective identity of BBN the fun do you, like where this is the fan base that camps out for open practices, preseason practices. Like, this is the fan base that does ridiculous licking. Again, I did not advocate, I do not support this decision, but this is the same fan base that was licking Devin Booker's car and, you know, making Cal say, you people are crazy, going in you know, filling up the yum center in a true road game. Like stuff like that is what makes BBN, BBN stuff like this is what makes BBN, BBN. We have missed the, the fun, creative, not taking ourselves too seriously stuff that I think that they have capitalized better than most. And I, that's why I support and appreciate their efforts. And it is also a reminder that we, as a collective unit need to not take things so seriously. And, uh, It's fun. We we need to be fun and lighthearted. This is a fun and lighthearted season where we're all having a blast watching this team. Why not put up a freaking billboard outside the NCAA offices that, in the grand scheme of things, may be meaningless. But (laughs) if it impacts things one way or the other and leads us to a freaking decision from the NCAA, then I
1: support it. So, sue me. But... if anything too, it just shows it shows the support that this fan base gives its guys. And that's to, you know, high school kids around the country. That's to players that are gonna be in the transfer portal. At some point, I mean you like this is a fan base that literally put together a campaign to put a billboard outside where the NCAA has to look at it. Like that's going to that's taking matters into your own hands and doing what you can do. They can't make the decision, but they're like, We're gonna do everything we can to get a decision. And I thought, it, I think it's, I thought it was amazing. I, th- I think I thought it showed the best of this fan base. Yeah,
0: I completely agree. And I guess while we're talking about it, and we're, we'll start wrapping up here uh, very momentarily. But that process with Z, you know, Z wearing the free big Z shirt, just like, you know, Enos Cantor did back in the day, free Enos. Like, it's very clear that there was a conscious, like, let's just be open and transparent about this the path for z going home and staying was very much on the table and it was a conversation that did happen one way or the other um and it wasn't a like a push it wasn't uk saying it's time for you to go and it wasn't z approaching cal saying it's time for me to go it was a would this be better off for both sides if we're not getting to the bottom of a decision if we're you know at the end of the day, kind of wasting each other's time, where we're trying to win a national championship, you're trying to build yourself, and you know you came here to develop yourself, and you're not if you're not able to do that, then what would put you in best position to do that? And it was a very respectful, mutual understanding between the two sides, and I I, I supported that decision had that been where things ended, but you also can't fault the kid for going home being with his family and then kind of being homesick for his second home in Lexington. Like I thought that was a really cool overall gesture of this kid loves being here. And in this environment, this, this training ground for the NBA, that's also something that we probably understated was that, is he getting better development here than he could back home? Like, and he is, he's, he is training alongside other NBA talent. And I think that means something to him where even if worst case scenario the NCAA doesn't clear him, worst case scenario he's still able to practice against other high level talent and develop his craft potentially to become a draft pick this draft cycle. Like or maybe the NCAA says you're you know suspended for one year and you're able to play next year or whatever. It at least opens the door for that that door to be open to whatever comes next. Like they didn't, they decided as a mutual group to not close the door on each other. And I thought that was cool. Like it's, it's, it's no harm, no foul for either side. So I am rooting for big Z to get cleared because whether or not he can make a legitimate impact for this team right away or by March or whenever it's a sign that the people that want to be here are here. It's a sign that he wanted to embrace the friendships and the camaraderie and the fun that we are all having, he wanted to be a part, continue to be a part of that. And that's important to have those types of guys and that type of cheerleader on the bench, whether or not he can actually play. Now I hope that NCAA can do the right thing and give him a chance. Whether he succeeds
1: or not in a Kentucky uniform, let him make that decision. Don't make it for him. Yeah. my, My favorite thing is his celebration and him up cheering his teammates on. Like there were a lot of times yesterday when just even the simplest things that would happen in the game, Florida throw the ball out of bounds, something he is up, cheering, clapping, supporting his teammates. Like I want this for him. I think everybody watching the show right now wants it for him. They want him to have the full Kentucky moment, the full Kentucky effect. And if he ever gets eligible and he steps on a floor, can you imagine the response? If And, and it's got to be at Rupp Arena. It has to be. If that ever were to happen, it has to be at Rupp Arena. So – I love his support. I love how – and this hasn't been easy, I'm sure, but I think that that's a guy that clearly enjoys being a part of this program, enjoys being a part of this team. As you said, he's getting the training, better training now than he's ever had to put himself in position to get drafted. He's, He's preparing against pros every single day. And I just want this to just kind of be a decision to be made, whether it's eligible or not to stop dragging your feet with this. Like, he either's going to play or he's not going to play. Why are we still in limbo with this? I don't understand. But I hope he gets his moment. I hope he gets eligible, and I hope this fan base, and I hope he gets to experience what it actually truly means to play at Kentucky. Somebody said in the chat,
0: what would be the bigger pop? Big Z getting cleared now in playing against Missouri, you know, going to the scorer's table against Missouri on Tuesday at home or Reed Shepard's debut and, you know, checking in at the scorer's table for the first time in game one.
1: To this point, Big Z. Yeah. Big Z, for sure. Like with, with Reed, you had, you had time to kind of prepare your moment. You had seen him play in Canada you'd already seen him as a, as a, as a wildcat. This one though, everyone's kind of been locked in and following this storyline since August. And then everybody kind of knows what he's been through too. And I just think that, 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 that moment would be the loudest moment that we've had at Rupp Arena when it comes to a player checking in. Maybe ever. Like I don't ever. remember
0: a time that there was so much build up. I mean, it would, the equivalent would have been
1: if Enos Cantor had been cleared. Like, yeah, I'm, um, I remember Jared, level. Jared Vanderbilt checked in at South Carolina. I think that was the first yeah. game that he played in. But I, I was there that night, and it was on the road. But you would have had a big, you would have had a big response that night. But nothing like you said. Caner would have been the only one I think that would have got the same reaction. But this one just feels for the for at the time it's in, for how long it's been, and the outside factors that are playing into this too. With he took took him forever just to get here. And how hard it was to get here and now it's even harder just to play i just think that all that group together would lead to a huge response yeah i'm rooting for that for sure let's um
0: we we have a couple of quick notes that we got to get to. First and foremost, the Sources A Podcast is brought to you by Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net. Andy is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirement requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free, and he is here to help. If you have any questions about business ownership, you can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.MyPerfectFranchise.net. And a brand new friend of the show, very appreciative of them with 128 years of service, Monticello Bank is proud to say that they go wherever Wildcats and their fans go, that go MBC mobile app lets you bank at home on the road, and if you need to come see us at our convenient branch locations, they're right around the corner. In fact, they have 21 branches in 14 markets. Our Where People Matter motto means competitive loans, competitive deposit rates, and a wide variety of customer-focused financial services, which makes the numbers side of your life a little easier. Find us on the web at mbcbank.com, Monticello Bank, Where People Matter member fdic equal housing lender and i believe we have a something something special to show
1: well hello cindy a lot of banks are changing hands these days not modicello we've been building relationships since 1895 and with each passing year we've grown hello cindy hi and expanded our services to meet the needs of the communities we serve getting something. Monticello Bank, equal housing lender, member FDIC. All
0: right, Sean, Missouri coming up at home Tuesday evening. We are now in the nitty gritty of SEC play. What, what do you need to see moving forward after test? Number one has been passed for the cats.
1: It's the C word. Always go to consistency, you know, consistency across you know, the roster and how these guys are playing. You you win a big road game. You you get a team coming in here that has lost some games and is probably in a position, Jack, that you and I didn't expect Missouri to be in at this point in the season. But it goes back to what I said earlier. Every single team is going to show up and play their best basketball against you. So you better be ready for a team that's going to fight for 40 minutes because that's what Mizzou is going to do at Rupp Tuesday night. It's a chance to play an SEC road game in your home arena SEC, or not a road game, sorry, SEC game in your home arena. SEC games just have a different pop to them when it gets to this point in the schedule. And it's it's familiarity. It's teams that the fan base follows and watches. Main so, branch. Yep, exactly. And it, it's something that it means something now when it comes to SEC standings and trying to win a league title and, and seating, and you start crunching wins together and stuff. It, it's one that if you win it, it doesn't do a lot for your resume, but if you lose it, it hurts. So you got to play with some desperation in, in that matter because that's going to be a desperate team in Missouri coming here looking to get right. So uh, if you're Kentucky, you're just trying to continue being who you are and take steps in the right direction.
0: I am very excited for Justin Edwards. I there, For some reason, he does very few little things throughout a game that, contribute to winning and he is stacking solid overall performances. He has not struggled. I don't think in several weeks now, like he is slowly, but surely putting things together. He will break through sooner rather than later. And something just tells me it's going to be Missouri. Like I I feel like Tuesday night is the right. The moments, not too high, you know, Florida, everything going into the sec opener, not, Louisville, not, you know, it, it wasn't one of the big UNC. It, it, this is a, a good opportunity for him to play against a name brand opponent. Stakes a little low. It just kind of continue to stack and put, you know, put things together slowly but surely and, you know, be a be part of that upward trajectory alongside everybody else. He is a part of that, albeit at a slower pace. It's his time now to take that step forward and be the player that everybody believes him to be. It's not like it's a, a lack of faith in his abilities and what he can be down the road he will have his breakthrough moment and I'm calling my shot right now I think
1: it's going to be Tuesday against Missouri it's going to be the Justin Edwards game mark my words and and he's taking steps in the right direction so I I can see that like just uh, continue continue taking steps forward continue getting better and and I'm with you I think that that would be something like one of those things that we haven't seen yet is kind of him have that big big night and I'd love to see it happen here early in league play but uh, that would be huge, playing consistent basketball, getting better on the defensive end, continue to score the ball at an impressive clip, get those assist numbers back up. I know the way Kentucky played and some of the attacks and things that they got at Florida, they got some switches they wanted and kind of just exposed Florida in areas there and, and attack the rim. So get the ball back moving. but look, Kentuckys showed that they can score 87, 90 plus points in a variety of ways. Hitting threes, not hitting threes, getting to the free throw line, not getting to the free throw line—like the balanced attack of the way that they can do that. It's not a, a, a one-way. It's not a one, you know, one direction here where they can get there. There's multiple avenues that Kentucky gets 87, 90 plus points, and they score the ball in an impressive clip. That's going to continue. So, looking forward to another league and uh, a league game here at Rupp, and when you're talking about the over under in sec wins, remember the, the lines that we talked about early in the season, winning the first mm-hmm. one was a big one and getting towards that 13 and five win total or going above it. I think this is going to be a team that's going to win a lot of these league games. There's a lot of questions about Adu. Um,
0: it's not a long-term concern. Um, I know it's frustrating and would have been a very great opportunity for him to play against Florida kind of needed him. Um, he was close, but not ready yet. Um, there's some question about will he, you know, sit against Missouri and then maybe m- return for Texas a and I, I wouldn't rule that out. Um, it's a back issue. I know he's listed out as general soreness, and there's some frustration about more vagueness with uh, I- I- injuries and you know how can you be a 20 year old and be have general soreness? Yeah, this is also a kid that is has grown a an entire foot over the last you know four years since his freshman sophomore year of high school uh and has grown from six three to six eight and six nine since he first arrived on campus last summer so understand that it's a little deeper than you know just an, a generic human being with general soreness at 20 years old It's he's, he's a little different of a case nothing to be concerned about long term i wouldn't call my shot and say that he's going to play Tuesday against Missouri. Um, You know, I'd probably lean a little bit more time, but it's not going to be another month. You know, it's not going to be one of those prolonged things. It's, you know, it's, it's just the window of he's close, but how close we're, we're closer than I think most people are imagining in their head with the mystery of, Yet another injury uh, at Kentucky. Nothing to sweat. It's going to be just fine. Everything is okay, just as it was down in Gainesville, winning 87-85. Sean, great, great show. Appreciate everybody joining us on this Sunday. Uh, I had a blast. I'm very excited for uh, SEC play to be here and continue to talk about more SEC wins because I think this team is going to have quite a plenty of them. So, Sean, I'm very excited for just a couple hours. I'll be seeing you in Versailles. We're going to be going to uh, watch – Jasper take on Darren Peterson. It's going to be an absolute blast. So if you are going to attend, come come say hi. We're, we're looking forward to it. Uh, I know you are as well, Sean. Let's go on and get out of here and prepare for that. Where can fans
1: find your work? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Country.
0: Find me on Twitter as well at JackPilgrimKSR. Go subscribe to KSR+. Plus. We're having an absolute blast over there. Uh, we'll see you next time. We'll uh, be back, I believe... Wednesday, Wednesday night uh, for uh, the post game for the Missouri game where we're hopefully breaking down a win. We'll see you next time.